How do we get food to people who can't get to the food? Um, how do we create equity in the food system in West Virginia? I'm Anthony Green, and this is the Our Future West Virginia podcast, where we're building local power in West Virginia by working with communities to fight for economic, educational, civil, and racial justice. Today, we're joined by economic justice, anti-hunger, and northern regional organizer for Our Future West Virginia, Amy Jo Hutchison. Thank you so much for joining us, Amy Jo. Hi, Anthony. I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. So for those who are listening and don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and the work that you do? Sure. So um, as you said, I'm Amy Jo Hutchison, and I live in the northern Panhandle in West Virginia. Um, my, my lived experience has been poverty. Uh, right now I'm working poor, I guess would be my classification. Um, and it's that lived experience that kind of fuels my work that I do. Uh, a lot of my work is focused around SNAP, um, you know, which were caught as a food stamps back in the day. Um, but it seems as if SNAP is constantly under attack, um, being threatened with cuts and kicking people off of food assistance. And so that's what a lot of my work is around um, in the past. And uh, right now I'm working, uh, we're getting ready to build a campaign with the working poor of West Virginia um, to find out what we can do, what kind of legislative changes do we need to push for to just create equity across the state of West Virginia so we can have a better quality of life. Can you give a little bit of a background on these issues that so many people are facing, like such as financial and food security issues in West Virginia? One of the biggest issues that I've really come across um, that's going to be a focus on my work for this legislative session is child care in the state of West Virginia. And, you know, we hear a lot of that rhetoric about how um, the people living in poverty need to get off their lazy butts and get jobs. And the fact of the matter is, is that we don't have a strong foundation here uh, that allows people the opportunity to do that. And so, uh, you know, we have a handful of counties in the state of West Virginia where there's not one child care provider listed, a center uh, listed. And so, especially in a state with such a high child poverty rate um, and with so many households led by unmarried women, you know, how are we ever going to see an increase in workforce participation if we can't provide the basic building blocks that it takes for families and especially families with children to get back out into the workforce uh, and to improve their life? You know, so we're, you know, we have a number of food deserts um, across the state of West Virginia which is where people are really removed from uh, grocery stores, uh, you know, and I'm sure, you know, it goes probably without mentioning, but uh, one of our biggest obstacles here is our geography and uh, just the way West Virginia is set up. So public transportation isn't readily available in most of our rural areas. And uh, some, you know, there's some people here that are driving 45 minutes to the nearest big box grocery store, like Walmart. And so uh, whenever we talk about, economic justice and food justice you know it's that like you know we need to talk about food access how do we get food to people who can't get to the food um how do we create equity in the food system in west virginia you know to make sure that we can fold the farmers in and and to help communities start taking care and being sustainable on their own um and so those are the types of issues and the conversations that i'm having as i travel across the state well i'm not traveling now but um digitally traveling (laughs) across the state because of covid right and speaking of covid you know and i don't think it's much of a secret that you know west virginia has struggled with food security and poverty even before the pandemic but how has covid19 exacerbated these issues 
Well, you know, I was um, reading some statistics yesterday that said West Virginia jumped from a 6% unemployment rate to a 16% unemployment rate around as soon as COVID hit here. So uh, what I've seen a lot of is, you know, people who run feeding sites, uh, whether that's a food pantry or a soup kitchen, they're saying that they have a lot of people now coming through uh, since COVID in March. And they're saying, you know, I'm sorry, you know, please be patient. I've never had to do this before. I don't know how this works. And so I think that's one of the biggest changes um, that I've seen is that people who are used to having access to food and used to, you know, being able to afford food, um, we're now just drastically and immediately cut off. Uh, from their jobs and so they were immediately struggling because so many of us here we live right on that margin right like between being sustainable and being poor and so I think that the working poor people in West Virginia were probably hard to hit um, and we don't do a lot of talking about that group of people um, the people who are working one or two jobs working their tail ends off and still just struggling to make ends meet and so um, from the people that I'm doing life with and you know, in my personal circle and in my professional uh, life as well, I've seen a lot of those people and uh, ever since the pandemic with the job loss and stuff, they've really been hard hit. I know so many children, even before the pandemic, relied on school foods and with schools kind of coming and going, you know, might even be struggling even more. Is that something that you're seeing? Yeah, you know, here in Ohio County where I live, um, I know across the state, one of the first concerns that was really raised and elevated by the general public was how are the kids gonna eat when the schools were shut down? And here in my county, um, there is, you know, we pro our county board of ed, they provided the meals for a couple of weeks. And then it was towards the, the like the last week of March, um, they decided that that wasn't going to be a service that was continued. And, um, you know, I was like, wait a minute, but it's the end of the month and SNAP benefits are gone. And how are these families supposed to support them? Um, so there have been some really great things that have come out of this um, pandemic. And so in Ohio County, I reached out to one of my community partners and I was like, look, this is a situation. What can we do about it? And so we organized a food group for Ohio County and it's still going. I actually um, foresee it being long-term, hopefully the pandemic ends soon. And, you know, we can start looking toward that kind that type of future without COVID-19. But um, the Board of Education is involved. We have the major feeding sites and the major feeding programs. Uh, we have family services who feed the elderly and do Meals on Wheels. Um, we have NAMI involved. So there are just a whole lot of community partners who directly have contact with people who suffer with food insecurity. And uh, we're still continuing to meet on a regular basis. And we just pull our resources and our connections and network to, to do the best job that we possibly can to make sure that everyone's needs are identified and met. And I think maybe it's that sense of community when it comes to making sure that our families are supported, especially those um, with vulnerable people like children, elderly or disabled individuals. Um, I love the way that I've seen communities come together to build a support system to make sure that they're taking care of their most vulnerable. And you can't, yeah, you kind of briefly talked about it, but you know, what are some of the things that you've seen over like the past eight months during this pandemic? And what are, you know, how has like the community responded to it? What are some of the things that you've seen? I think one of the, um, one of the things that's really stuck out to me is the fact that now all of a sudden, um, 
we don't have such an us versus them divide, if that makes sense. Um, you know, it's like we realized that we were all uh, in the same situation, in the same boat. You know, granted our level of struggle and our grand, our levels of emergency were a little different, but um, I've actually seen just this renewed sense of community, you know, uh, people checking in on each other, making sure that groceries are, are delivered, you know, even if it supports drop off, you know, but I've seen just this this whole surge of communities coming back together to make sure that they're taking care of their neighbors. And I think that's fantastic. I also think that's um, probably one of my favorite things about West Virginia anyway, you know, was that we were always doing for each other and watching over our neighbors and our families. But I, the way this pandemic has truly brought people, people across, <clears throat> excuse me, across that line. And then it's also been an excellent opportunity to raise awareness to what it's like for folks living in poverty with or without the pandemic, right? So um, I think that as a state and as a nation, we've had all of our frailties just exposed and our shortcomings in the systems, you know, that need to be repaired. And I think that um, the pandemic has offered us this pretty unique view and just window of opportunities to be able to explain struggle and what it's like out here all the time for everybody. And one of the biggest issues regarding the pandemic was rent relief and evictions. And then, you know, eight months in, what, what have you seen and what are you currently seeing now that we're so far in and things are starting to open back up? The lack of affordable housing was a problem that existed here before COVID-19. And uh, here in my area, you know, we're um, the oil and gas boom. And so what we've seen happen over the past, you know, the course of the last few years is that the rents have just become unattainable for someone who's not working, uh, making great money in the oil and gas fields. And um, so that was definitely a pre-COVID problem uh, based on the environment, you know, so it's always a struggle. And now we're facing, uh, I know some essential employees, you know, that hazard raise that a lot of them received, that's gone now. The unemployment was cut back again. Um, so I, I think now people are just back on that hamster wheel, just trying to survive, getting their bills paid, you know, making sure that they have their basic needs met. You know, I, I think it's um, easy for me because I've been very fortunate throughout this pandemic that my job just switched from face-to-face -to, -face to digital and virtual. And so uh, I never lost my job, you know, or I wasn't, um, I never had to lay out on my job. And I think that sometimes it's really difficult for those folks who are working to remember that there are a lot of businesses that still aren't back up in full swing. You know, I, I know of a couple organizations, um, they're still half staff right now. You know, so um, the longer these problems go on, the bigger these problems are gonna get is my personal opinion, especially when it comes to housing and uh, people having to pay back rent, back utilities. You know, like I know too many families that struggle to do that anyway, you know, without the pandemic around. And so again, I think that this is just gonna give us a fantastic opportunity to elevate those stories and to really show what it's like out here for just the everyday folks, you know, the working class people. And what are some of the things that you and our future are doing to combat the issue of financial and food security, even before the pandemic, but now especially? Yeah, well, the first thing I think um, is storytelling, you know, so uh, one of the most important parts of my job as an organizer is to find folks who are really impacted about these with these issues 
and uh, to get those stories out there. You know, I like to tell people that um, your truth is something that no one can take away from you. You know, and so we need to start um, finding ways to break through the stereotypes of what it's like to be poor, what it's like to be financially struggling, what it's like to be hungry, and to really just start to use those uh, in a manner where, you know, we can elevate the stories and the truths about the situation. You know, poverty isn't, it's not a character defect, right? It's, or being hungry isn't a character defect. You know, it's really not even uh, the poor people's fault, you know, or the, the hungry person's fault. It's the systems in place and the way they're designed that keep them that way, you know? And so um, I think that's one of the biggest things we can do is to just start telling our truths um, so we do a lot of that. We also, around uh, food access, uh, Our Future West Virginia is a part of the Food for All Coalition, which was started by the food, West Virginia Food and Farm Coalition. And so we're constantly meeting and trying to come up with solutions um, through policies with the West Virginia legislature and uh, try to make changes that way. You know, we've had some wins, we've had some losses. Um, but, you know, it's nice to be a, a part of the coalition because when one of us have an issue, then, you know, as partners, we can all elevate that issue. You know, like when the SNAP stretch program ran out of funds, you know, we were able to contact all the people that, that we touch on a regular basis and through our email list and stuff um, to be able to call and have them rally around that cause. And so, uh, you know, that's just a couple of things we do. Uh, right now, I'm starting to build a campaign for the next legislative session, even though I don't think any of us know what that's going to look like yet because of COVID. Uh, but we're having conversations with working class, working poor folks, you know, and just what are the issues that are really affecting you? What do you think needs to be changed in order for us to, you know, climb out of poverty and to stay there? And uh, it's going to be, it's just going to be a campaign led by the people you know we're going to push for the issues that they the, the top issues that they feel are most greatly affecting their lives you know winter approaching and cases are skyrocketing across the nation with COVID 19. you know what is what does that look like for west virginians who are struggling financially or with food security or with their own businesses or anything like that you know i think one of the things about this whole pandemic is that we don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow you know like Personally, my kids um, haven't been in school for two weeks because the schools have been shut down because of extreme COVID cases. Um, I don't know if we even know yet what the ripple effects of all this are going to be. You know, how many businesses just aren't going to be able to reopen their doors and survive this? Those are the questions um, that I think are hanging over everybody's heads. And so um, there's really no way of telling. The holidays are approaching. You know, so many people have been isolated for so long now from their families. What should West Virginians expect? And then what would you advise like going forward? You know, I just, um, I was talking in Pennsylvania and, um, you know, they're being told now that at the, by the end of this week, um, Friday, that they're being told to wear masks inside their house if they have house guests over who don't typically live there. Um, so, I don't know what we should expect. You know, um, I have two school-age kids, and so my head is telling me that they're probably going to end up shutting schools down long-term. Um, but I think maybe that's one of the benefits of um, having poverty as my lived experience, Anthony, is that you just, like, 
you're on survival mode, you know? Um, and so whatever happens, you just kind of like take it on the chin and keep moving. And so my, my view of it's a little skewed, you know, um, because I am, I'm very familiar with what's the expression, Robin Peter to pay Paul, you know? Um, and so most of the people that I have in my personal life, you know, we're in the same situation. So, I mean, I would just advise, I think we need to show ourselves some grace, first of all, especially parents who are trying to navigate um, working and uh, schoolwork when it comes to the kids. You know, we definitely need to show some grace to the teachers. Um, I just told my 13-year-old this morning, I was like, look, none of us have ever done any anything like this before. So, you know, we're just all kind of like free falling, I guess. And um, I think maybe that's what I would advise is to just find a way to be kind to yourself and realize that it's happening to everybody. You know, none of us asked for this um, to happen. And, you know, to quote, to quote the governor, follow the guidelines. You know, like um, I have a high schooler who was put on quarantine for 14 days because there is a positive case in one of her classes and they weren't able to be spaced six feet apart. And um, thankfully all the kids in that class had tested negative. But the one factor is that mask, right? And so um, I have to believe in my heart of hearts that it was the mask that kept my kids safe because there really wasn't much else at that point. Um, so, you know, just use your best caution and your best judgment. I guess, yeah, it's a weird thing. If there's one thing that you want people to leave listen you know when they listen to this and leave someone with um regarding the work that you do uh what would it be i think it would be the old organizing expression that you get what you accept you know and um the election cycle just ended and there is a lot of back and forth between you know this side and that side and you know i had a conversation with someone about taxes and they were worried about a tax plan that had been um, talked about and suggested and and I'm like here's the beautiful part of being in America is that we don't have to just sit quietly and accept whatever policy uh, they decide to put in place you know like we we have um, every opportunity in the world to get out there and just start having conversations with people and start making phone calls to our lawmakers and letting them know how we really feel about this and I think that the way that the government is set up, we have a tendency to just forget that they really work for us. You know, when we vote for someone or whenever someone, even if we don't vote for them and they still end up in office, like that's a public office and it's designed to be able to serve the people the best that they can um, in their district and in their area. And so I think that um, because the system isn't designed to make us feel included, and or that we you know uh, we don't talk well enough to be in that circle or you know we don't dress well enough to to go and visit our lawmakers and i think that's the sort of message that i want people to understand uh is that we do belong there right because they're hired to represent us and they get paid well in my opinion especially based upon the median income of west virginia they they make really good money for doing that and so we don't have to just sit here and allow them to take over you know, we don't have to allow them to continue to, to pass hurtful policy. Uh, we just need to get people together and start making phone calls and start making a little good noise.
Well, thank you so much for joining us and talking about this, Amy Jo. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at OurFutureWV. And follow Count Me in West Virginia for all the latest updates and information regarding the 2020 election. If you want to support us and help bring local power to your community, feel free to subscribe to our newsletter at OurFutureWV.org, where you can donate and become a future builder for West Virginia. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Our Future West Virginia podcast. We'll see you next time.